Hi, Chanel. Hi, Jimmy. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you for asking. How about you? Uh, I could be so much better with this technology today. <laughs> yes, I have never used this uh, anchor before. I guess it's a pretty good tool. Usually, I use a pot. Uh, um, uh, what do you call that? Uh, oh gosh. It's so old-fashioned. Uh, Skype and uh, yeah. external microphone. And so right. I guess this is easier because we can talk straight by using only one app. Yeah. So here we go. Thank you so much for coming on Chanel's Language Learning Journey podcast where amazing things happen, including technology problems. <laughs> <laughs> My pleasure, Chanel. <laughs> I, just got on the, I just got off the phone with Chris Froholm in England. A few minutes ago, actually. Okay. Yeah, so I just interviewed him. We were having technical difficulties um, on his end with the app for some reason. It wasn't working right. Yeah, new technology is like that. It's exactly yeah. like new language methods. We have to try and try it again and make right. it better and change it again. Yeah. It works until we get... To uh, good enough to deal with it oh yeah I, for me it's easy to to do the podcast this way because i'm able to upload them and um it's it's voiceover friendly because i use an ipad pro uh -huh. and so i use voiceover so it's it's very accessible yeah i guess it, it, it's it will be the future uh best or if it's not yet the best uh, podcast app because uh, it's published at the same time on several uh, feeders and things like that. And mm -hmm. I think it would be good. And uh, it's easy when we learn. Uh, in the moment I found your name there, I, everything started working. Yeah. I, I guess, I mean, I've heard you on like, you know, my polyglot, you know, podcast, of course. And then I've heard you on um, Chris's um, show, Actual Fluency. And I said, you know, I really don't know a lot about his method. I mean, because I found it to be interesting as a language learner myself and, a, mm -hmm. and an English um, instructor online. So I said, I need to interview Jimmy Mello. I want to know more about this Mello method and how it works. <laughs> okay. Yeah. In fact, it's not the f uh, I have already talked and delivered uh, a lesson during... Um, Polyglot gathering uh, three years ago in Berlin, mm -hmm. and so uh, if other people, if you are interested in watching uh, the video and the math or work in itself, it's just uh, Google uh, or YouTube it on and write a uh, mellow method and polyglot gathering. Mm -hmm. You can watch the first the, the first lesson to have an idea on how it works. It's 100% focused on conversation. Mm -hmm. So it's based on questions and answers. And so uh, it's not a really brand new method. It's just uh, uh, an old method that was born in 1878. Mm -hmm. And so after the time, people has taken uh, it, uh, changing things, adding other resources, and uh, putting their own features. And so now, um, after 23 or 25 years old, not sure, I guess, 23 years old, now we are, uh, this November, we are going to celebrate our 23rd anniversary of Mellow Method being used uh, 
in language schools in Brazil and now all over the world. That's like awesome. But uh, it's so difficult to explain how is it, but I can, I will try the theory. The theory behind it is that we can uh, learn a language by speaking it. And uh, it has something about speaking from day one, but it has a completely different approach from what we have seen so far. It's not better or worse, but just different. Because um, we, uh, the teacher gives the students some uh, words, and after these words, we are... Uh, producing new sentences. Uh, if we teach Spanish, for example, if we can watch it on uh, uh, YouTube, mm -hmm. I start with the word isto, uh, which means this, mm -hmm. and I say o que é isto, which means what is this. So what is this? So o que é isto, and then I will introduce the word table. Mesa, and so the students will repeat mesa. So I will add another element. I will put pen, pencil, and say it in Portuguese: lapis, caneta, janela. And so I will uh, guide. I consider it a guided, a hundred percent conversation because I will say o que é isto, uh, and I will show a pen, and the student will say. Isto é uma mesa. This is a table. And so after we are going to learn how to negate the things and how the math really works, we say, no, it isn't. No, não é. And so we add a new word. I would say, is this a table? Isso é uma mesa? And uh, if we are uh, looking at each other in a classroom, I will show you a pen. Mm -hmm. And you say, in Portuguese, Não, isso não é uma mesa, mas isso é uma caneta. And so, no, this isn't a table, but it's a pen. And so after that, we are going to build the things, but I'm not going to translate the sentences, but just put one word after other word and practice and practice. It's a kind of overlearning method because mm -hmm. we are using and asking things again. Uh, uh, isso é uma caneta, isso é uma caneta. Não, não é uma caneta, mas isto é uma mesa. Isso é uma mesa. Não, isso não é uma mesa, mas isto é uma janela. Isso é uma janela? Sim, isto é uma janela. And so it's not just repeating, but the student will create, not uh, out of his mind, but following a certain structure until we move until topics like uh, uh, we can even teach grammar uh, from the elementary things like uh, uh, we, we would know the word. Word, adjective, is. So mm -hmm. uh, the word green is an adjective. A palavra verde é um adjetivo. And so I would ask, a palavra verde é um adjetivo? And it shouldn't we say, sim, a palavra verde é um adjetivo. So I would say, uh, blue, brown, high, low, and I would supply the translation. So, azul, amarelo, alto, baixo, I would say, uh, give me, uh, me dê outros exemplos de adjetivos. So the children will say, outros exemplos de adjetivos são, other examples of adjectives are. And so everything will be made in the target language. I will supply the translation of individual words and then we are going to put and put and put and put until we have 
even definitions like when do we use the present perfect? No, we don't have this in Portuguese, but you have the pretérito perfeito. And so we have a definition, but we are just able to say the definition mm -hmm. when you are ready to explain it in your target language. Mm -hmm. uh, it can be in Spanish, in English, as we use it a lot in Brazil, mm -hmm. uh, in Middle language, so uh, it's a hundred percent focus, and so we really start speaking from day one, but not having a, a large conversation. But at the end of the first 15 minutes, as you could see on the video, uh, you could say basic things, uh, almost effortlessly, like, um, uh, uh, in the target language, this is not a table, but this is a chair. I am not sitting on a chair, but I am sitting on the floor. The floor right. is brown and the ceiling is white. And so we can say all these words, all these sentences that it's not so very practical, but it has a, a grammatical background that can be used for other things. And in the next lesson, mm -hmm. uh, we are going to review this and add more review and add more because we really believe that uh some people think that i have a very bad memory i said why do you think so because i listen to a word i repeat it twice and after i forget let's say this is natural because uh forgetting is natural remembering mm -hmm. is artificial for this reason uh it's not because i taught you the day before the word Mesa, which means table, that you have to memorize it. It's on my responsibility as a teacher to force and to put the word table into your brain again and again and again until right. it gets natural. And so basically, it's starting, it's speaking from day one, but not having a free conversation about life, about the weather, or things like that. Obviously, mm -hmm. we will be able to do that. But after uh, building a very good basis, it's because we really are very worried about the pronunciation, right. about the overcorrection. We correct all the time to not, because uh, us, you know, when, when we are learning something by ourselves, if we learn something wrong, we will have a kind of work twice. One, to erase the wrong thing and the other mm -hmm. one to put the right one and so we are very worried about that when we are teaching our students to mm -hmm. really make sure that he pronounces the word well like the word in portuguese for table is mesa with a z or z sound right. but if you have if you speak spanish you will say mesa right with an s sound and so some students who have already studied spanish they will say isto é uma mesa and i say no no mesa this is not spanish it's mesa mesa right. say it again mesa and so we really uh, overcorrect that and so uh, obviously it's not only that but the basic idea is to add small words in mm -hmm. small chunks until we get a real conversation it starts as a guided conversation then we are introducing some questions why why not and uh, this part of that we don't ignore the grammar we just don't teach the grammar in the boring way i love grammar but i know that students 
do not like drama. Right. Uh, and so they think that, why am I supposed to learn through the things? And so I, I generally give them the usage, but I focus more on how to use it correctly. If I'm teaching English, for instance, and I use the present perfect, I would say, have, what have you eaten today? Uh, have you studied other language this month? And so instead of just giving the logical that in grammar, we use the present perfect when the time is not finished, this morning, this, uh, this, this year, this right. month, uh, today, we just we give the, the theory, we ask the student to repeat, and then we ask questions using the present perfect. In Portuguese, pretérito mm -hmm. perfeito, uh, or in Spanish, pretérito perfeito. That basically, we don't ignore uh, anything. We really use grammar, pronunciation, writing, and say, how can you teach your writing using this method? Uh, our material that are printed books, uh, we don't have yet um, virtual ones. Uh, probably in the near future, we are, we are planning doing that, but we're not sure yet how to transfer that to a self-teaching platform. Right. Uh, generally, we need a tutor or a teacher that is very well trained on that. But on the books, every single question that I have asked in the target language so the book the portuguese book is entirely mm -hmm. in portuguese mm -hmm. and so all the questions i have asked you during the lesson uh is written on the book but without the answers and so after the lesson has finished the student will go there to the book take the old pencil and eraser and uh, Right, is there, there is, is it asking, is this a table? And you can write, put in Portuguese or whatever. Sim, isto é uma mesa. Or não, isso não é uma mesa. And so everything you have answered during the lesson, you are supposed to write at home. And there will be a moment where we will read what you have written before. And so at the end, Every student uh, can take the famous um, examinations. For instance, here in Brazil, uh, every student at the end of the course can attempt to first certificate in English from Cambridge or TOEIC, Test of English International Communication, uh, with a very uh, good score. Uh, from Spanish, um, most of them take the uh, DELE, B2 or C1, Celi, uh, Delph. And so even being uh, seldom, not a real, 100% uh, focus on conversation, because we learn other things, uh, you can take good results in international exams, which means that it really works. It's not only you are going to be able to speak, obviously, but you can use and prove that you can do that by using international standards. Now, that is interesting because I know when I had heard your interview like two or three years, I think it was like three years ago. Uh, I guess so, yes. Uh -huh. When uh, on actual US podcast, it was yeah, yeah. Uh, some weeks before going to Berlin. Yeah. And and I I was like really like impressed. I was like, 
Wow. <laughs> I, was, I was just starting out with like learning like my fourth language, like Russian at the time. And I was like new to the whole polyglot uh, environment and the whole language mm-hmm. community at that point. And I was like, wow, this is interesting. This guy knows all these like, oh my God. Like, I was just curious, like, when did you start learning like language? Well, mm-hmm. okay. Uh I like to say that I have started learning foreign language since I was a child. As I grew up, I was born in a bilingual family. Mm -hmm. Part of my father was from Spain, from Catalonia. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, Catalan is not my mother tongue. Uh, It's just a second language. I speak Catalan as well. But at home, I started speaking Spanish and Portuguese uh, at a daily basis. Then... uh, my aunt, who lives in Rome nowadays, but she used to study uh, Italian. She had an Italian girl, boyfriend. And so I started to get very curious and I started to learn with them uh, at a natural uh, way as well. Nothing very uh, specific using books or things like that, but started to talk and correct me. Then I started to learn how to transform one language into another. And so I generally do that. I love doing that. For example, when uh, I, I learned uh, Catalan, but through Spanish, uh, as I have studied linguistics, and this help, has helped me a lot, I started to learn how the language works. And so I can predict, not 100% accuracy, but I can predict how the language will work so I can transform my Spanish into Catalan. I have transformed my Italian into French, uh, my Dutch, uh, my German into Dutch. And so generally, if we take languages and we try to make this kind of transformation, mm-hmm. it gets everything easier. For this, I like learning language from similar families. Right. So I take some key languages and from those key languages, I can learn things, deduce things from others. Mm-hmm. And so this has helped me a lot. And But remember, since I was a child, <laughs> I have been learning uh, foreign language. I cannot imagine myself without learning or practicing or using a foreign language that's not mine. I live in Brazil, but I speak a lot of languages during the day because I, I have contact with people from all over the world, uh, doing several things from translations, from interviews, from uh, delivering talks and mm-hmm. things like that. Now, that is interesting because I, I know for myself right now, I'm, I have three languages in my head that I'm studying, Dutch, mm-hmm. Italian and French. And of course, they all come easy because I took Spanish. Yep. And, and, yeah. and I also know Russian to a pretty high level now. Um, However, now I'm in this phase where I want to know Norwegian. Mm-hmm. So, and then I have another seven languages on top of that. I'm, what? <laughs> and, I mean, because the community that I live in, we have so many people that speak, you know, a lot of Asian languages, some Middle Eastern, mm-hmm. some French, a little bit of du- uh, Pennsylvania Dutch, some Italian, um, and some Russian. And so I said, well, you know, um, I wanted to focus on those languages 
like some some of them anyway, not all of them. Uh-huh. Um, like Arabic, Chinese, Japanese. Yeah, it, it, I would like to. If on the top of my list, there are a lot of languages in my. I, I don't say that I have a house. I live in a library. Really, literally, I have a lot of shelves more than a piece of furniture. And wow. so I have a lot of. <laughs> really, yeah. <laughs> I can send you a photo of my my small living room. It's not a living room. It's a library. Uh, and so, uh, really, I, I, I would like to learn a lot of languages. And this is a problem for me sometimes. I have, I, generally, I like to say that learning a language is something very easy. Uh, not only for me, but for everyone. Right. Uh, what we really need is to put the, to use the best approach. Uh, each one will find a good one. Um, learn language is really easy. I believe that you can learn a language in three months, but three months uh, doesn't mean that you are going to study once a week, twice a week. But three months means uh, maybe eight hours daily as taking a job when you right. are yeah you can learn really i believe that you can learn a language in three months but the problem is not learning a language so uh what um comes easy goes easy and so the fastest way the, the, the quick uh the quicker i learn a language quicker i will forget details about that and so keeping a language is the most difficult part for me i have studied i have already studied or had contact with more than over 40 languages but do you speak 40 languages no not at all yes because i have studied them they have helped me on this process that i said to make this transformation Mm -hmm. from one language into the other Uh, but from time to time i have to return to one of them usually i try to keep active from 10 to 13 languages Uh, but this list uh, has been changing uh, quite a lot. Uh, I, I generally, when we go to the conference, the Congress and the, the polyglot events, we usually have those name tags with uh, the language that we speak right. and usually the level. And I generally collect them. And so every year and every event that I attend, I put a different language on my uh, name tag. Not because... I forgot the other language. I have no practice enough to put it here. And so maybe this year I will put German, but next year I have to put Dutch because I have used Dutch more than German and vice versa. So keeping a language on a decent way, it's the hardest part for me. Now, I had a question about that. Okay, because I can speak Spanish at a pretty good level, along with Russian, and this is after 42 months of learning Russian independently. I've been studying French since April, and I can, okay. speak, I can speak it at, like, an upper beginner level, because I'm trying to get to, like, a, a low intermediate mm-hmm. um, by December. Um, however, my Dutch and my Italian are at, like, the A1 level. I still, okay. I still count them, because... You know, it takes a lot of guts to even pick up a language book and want to learn one language, let alone trying to maintain seven. 
Okay, yes, yes, this is a problem. You really have to have to keep uh, a kind of schedule uh, on. It's, I would sometimes people say that what is my job, my profession? Generally, I have to include that be a polyglot, a kind of profession, right? Because I have to keep this knowledge, I have to maintain uh, it's. And I use them as a part of my work. And so it's my job as well. I'm a language teacher. I'm a, a writer because I write uh, teaching books. And I'm polyglot. Is it a profession? Mm. Say, yeah, for me, it's a kind of profession because to keep a language. And as you said, uh, study one and keep seven. This is a very hard work. Right. I mean, I trust me. I have friends that I speak with daily. Even if I don't talk to them, I throw up videos, as you know. On, on Facebook Live, and I just start speaking. Whether any of it makes sense at the time is another another thing. Uh, but the fact yeah, one thing uh, I'm not sure if we're about the same thing. Uh, generally, people like recording themselves speaking thousands of languages to the camera. Right. I I have already done that. I have to confess, right. but I really think that this is a little bit fake because nowadays. We have those kind of uh, uh, teleprompter. I could right. easily put a teleprompter in front of my iPad, my iPhone, and just read it with a good pronunciation. Right. What I have done, uh, it's available on my uh, YouTube channel. Uh -huh. I, uh, I decided, this took me a, 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 a lot of money and uh, effort because I decided to keep a conversation uh, using a native speaker mm -hmm. um, to show that I'm not only able to have a, a conversation, uh, uh, to speak to the camera, this is very easy. I'm not right. shy, so a camera for me, it's quite easy. Right. But the challenge is, am I able to talk to a person in a real situation? And so, uh, if I'm not wrong, I decided to test 10 languages. And so, I... Uh, went to italki and I hired 10 native speakers, teachers, and I said to them, okay, I would like to have a conversation. You ask me the questions that you want to ask me, and I will try my best to uh, give you the best answer of the reply. Uh, don't bother yourself to correct me. I just want to show my abilities and my ability to communicate, even right. not being fluent and so right. th th this video, I like it doing that. I received lots of critics, obviously, because we have a lot of haters on the internet. But, oh, God, uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> not, yeah. You say that because I'm not going to mention this particular person, but you might know who I'm referring to when I say this. This person likes to gloat about how successful they are or if someone sits there and says a different language, you know, piece of advice they want to give somebody they want uh -huh. to say that well this person well as you know i'm a professional so therefore my this person's comment or these series of comments aren't valid enough or viable and i'm like come on yeah uh -huh. generally when a person says it's terrible i say thank you for a feedback now i would like to watch your video doing something better yes and, and until, okay. this day, until this day, <laughs> I have not seen this person speak the languages they claim to speak. So, yeah. so there's parts of me that think that this person's a complete fraud. 
Yeah, okay. If it's so bad, do it better. I'm here not to promote myself, but to maybe to uh, say that, yes, if I can, you can. Uh, it doesn't matter if I made some mistakes. Right. Try it yourself. Right. This is the aim when we record such a videos. And so I spent 10, more than 10 hours recording the things, editing wow. the video, doing the things to have a, a, a watchable video. Mm -hmm. And even that, it's terrible. Your accent is not good. I say, come on. I made this for more than 10 hours with 10 native speakers. And I know it's not perfect. I'm not a native speaker, but I'm trying to show that I'm more than those people who just look at the camera and right. speak 50 languages, maybe reading a teleprompter. Right. And, you know, it's funny because since I learn by ear and my vision's limited, uh -huh. I go by everything that I've absorbed learning, you know, that day or whatever, whatever I learn, whatever uh -huh. vocabulary, whatever. And everybody's like, your, your French is really good. Did you go to Paris? No. <laughs> I didn't go to Paris. I would love to go to Paris. But no, I did not go to Paris. I mean, I use Michelle Thomas. I mean, he's... Yo, I love Michelle Thomas. This is one of my favorite approaches. Right. And then I'm also picking up um, Pimsleur for um, Norwegian. Mm -hmm. However, I find fault with Pimsleur a little bit because it's too freaking slow. Yes, yes, uh, I quite agree. Prisla is very good because it, it reviews a lot, but it has some things. It's really ready-made for a traveler. Right. Because uh, it starts from, uh, excuse me, sir, how can I get to, to Street X? How can I get there? Right, wrong, have a restaurant, reservation, right. and things like that. But Prisla is a good starting point. But Michelle Thomas is by far... Uh, superior on that i, I like I, I actually have michelle thomas in russian dutch italian japanese french and egyptian arabic yeah it's very good i have i have already used it for uh russian um polish it was fantastic the polish teacher is great dutch also i don't know i, I like since michelle thomas uh, was uh alive i have been following him I had never met him in person, but I had met some people from his uh, team that right. I have learned a lot of very interesting things about his methodology and the background. Right. That's very, very, very interesting. By the way, it was, it was not... Uh, it is Michelle Thomas' method, but it was inspired by right. a very uh, Mexican woman called Marieta Madrigal, Mm -hmm. She uses the same approach that Michelle Thomas started using the same, but he's a genius for me. Yes. It's I, very I, interesting. Yeah. I love his stuff. And I, someone asked me, well, how do you learn all the vocabulary? I was like, I, I do comprehensible input. I listen. I do a lot of listening. Uh -huh. And that, you know, I'm able to pick up like the, um, the pronunciation of words and how things are, are, are spoken a mm -hmm. lot better. I mean, cause I, I learned my first foreign language was Spanish in college and I was uh -huh. able to correct all the people in the class because Good. I, I understood the grammar. I understood. But once again, you're doing grammar drills and, and tables and you're uh -huh. creating stuff. And so, you know, I, I moved out to, I call it, I call it California, New Mexico. The, so, yeah. Because there's, because there's so many, there's so many Mexicans inside of California. I would try to practice speaking my Spanish 
Uh-huh. Of course, I never got anywhere because they break into English. Yeah, well, yes, uh, it is interesting what you have seen. Uh, one of the adv- disadvantages that we mm-hmm. that live in America we have uh, is that we live in huge monolingual countries. You live in the United States, so you don't have, uh, it's not so easy to, it's like if you live in Berlin, you can take a train and in uh, five hours you are in Warsaw and you can practice Polish. You right. take, yeah, we have this advantage. And generally, I like to say that the American, by American, I say North America, South America, Central America, the Americans in general, we could consider ourselves superior. This between inverted commas is important. We are not superior to no one. But comparatively, we are, we have more, uh, how can I say, explain that? Uh, For us, it's more difficult to keep the language as a person who lives in Paris, who lives in in Berlin, in any uh, European country, because you don't have a neighbor country speaking the foreign language 24-7 right. hours a day. Yeah, so we really have to use all the resources. We can find a native speaking in a restaurant or in the subway or wherever, but it's not like them. Right. If you are, uh, uh, let's say, a, uh, a French polyglot, fantastic, yeah. good, but it's not so hard as being a North American polyglot, uh, Mexican polyglot, Brazilian right. polyglot, because right. we are in an island almost, because we live in continental countries. Right, and it, and it's it's weird because here in Akron, we have such a large international population of people, yeah. especially from the Middle East and Asia and Mexico and Puerto Rico. And th- there are a few people from like South America, um, but at the same time it's almost like you know they want to learn english exactly you You would try to speak spanish but they will switch automatically to english well but you know someone actually did tell me i should just keep speaking spanish just to get on their nerves to get them to speak because otherwise they'll just continue to do that and i have tutored people like on whatsapp and mm-hmm. that's all they want to do is speak. I was like, okay, we can speak a half an hour uh-huh. in, in, in English. I will agree to that. But, brother, we're going to speak a half an hour in your language because that's what I'm studying right now. Yep, yep, yep. This happens. Yes, it's not a problem. It's different from this. Uh, I, I, I generally claim this difference that we have. Uh, a, a person who lives. Uh, sorry, I, I forgot. You said your city. What's the name of your city? Atlant. Atlant. Okay. Okay. Uh huh. A person from Atlant, for instance. You you have much more uh, difficulties, and so your honor to speak Spanish, uh, French, Russian is uh, superior to, for a person who lives in um, Warsaw. That is half away from everywhere. You can go to Berlin. You can go to Russia. You can go to Paris in a couple of hours. We can do that. Yeah, we have exactly. to learn through books, hours. right? Right. And it and it what because someone had um, 
I had interviewed, well, of course, I just got off the phone with Chris Brohan. And then last week, I interviewed um, Kirsten Cable and Lindsay Williams. Yeah. And I love I, it. I, Lindsay is fantastic. She's just uh, a fantastic person. And then um, I interviewed Shannon Kennedy from Eurolinguist the weekend before last. Okay, yeah. And I and I had asked them all. I said, "Well, do you think that you know because you're you're entering the public sphere of you know the language community internationally, do you think that you're a role model or an ambassador for people who want to learn? I mean, because it takes a lot of guts to want to create material and want to create content for people and mm-hmm. put it out there and." And sell some of it. I mean, because you can't give it all away for free. You got to make some money. You sure? Um, you know, so I'm just wondering, do you, do you think that you see yourself as like an ambassador or as a role model for the language community as a whole? Well, I really, I'm not, I don't like this word ambassador. I would like to give this title for Richard Simcott that I quite admire him a lot. I think, <laughs> yes. I can tell him about that. He is, I led this title for him. He is our language ambassador. He well, really I feel, speaks. I want to get him on the show so bad because like, he just seems so down to earth. Sorry? He seems very down to earth and humble. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's a very humble person, yes. You, you, when you meet him in person, you don't believe that he's such a genius. That man is really a genius. But uh, when you start talking to him, he's a really humble. He's a very pleasant person. I really love, love talking to him for hours and hours. I have the pleasure to receive him here in my uh, city to hold a seminar. And uh, we really enjoy the past a long time laughing a lot. He's a, he's. For me, he's, he's, I name him the ambassador for us. But uh, in my case, I really like to inspire people to say that uh, I have no, I, I really say that I have no talent for that. What I have is a lot of effort and determination. I, even my method was created based on that, is mm-hmm. based on common people that you really need a lot of repetition. And so I am one of those people that needs a lot of repetition. I'm not uh, a gifted person for languages, but I'm a very determined person. So this is what I want to show people. You don't have a language gene that will make you learn the language. You really have to sit on a chair or walk in, in a gym and listen to a lot of input, read a lot, do right. the things that you have to do. It's not what I want you to, 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 to show them is that I am a common person. I, I have my activities and uh, I'd like to inspire people and say that if I can, you can do it as well. Right. You just have to get uh, out of your comfort zone and think that it's something that is magic. I will sleep just speaking my mother tongue and I will get up a polyglot like Richard Simcott. Come on! <laughs> this will be my dream. Richard, when you have a pill, put it your name. Pill Richard Simcott. I was the first one to buy it. <laughs> you know, it's and so- he's a good example. He really speaks a lot of languages and uh, yeah. He, I can, I can give my testimony. <laughs> I met him sort of times. As I, as I mentioned, we have those uh, name tags, and right. uh, I 
humbly put my small languages and he you know the first time uh, I it was in Berlin the first time we have the, the, the largest gathering he just put try me just that languages try me and so it was absolutely he tried he could speak to I guess 90 percent of people that uh, uh, were in the conference wow. because he he's amazing yes he's not just uh, um, person reading uh, <laughs> a script, he really speaks those languages in a perfect way. Wow, you know, it's so funny because, like, I, I sat there and, like, I was telling Chris in the interview that we did, I said, one of the people, I, I admire him a lot, and I, I actually would love to get him on my show, just to pick his brain. My God. Um, another person that I admire a lot is Ollie Richards. Yeah, Olin Richard, he also has a very good level of the language that he speaks. His Portuguese is fantastic. Uh, I, we got uh, an interview, I guess, last year. His Brazilian Portuguese is very, very good. Uh, his Spanish, too. Uh, yeah, and, and he's very dedicated as well. He, he's a hyper-polyglot, obviously. Uh, and he's, he's a humble person and very, very, very uh, supportive person for everything. He's always open to help people. To I, I really admire his work as well. Yeah, I because he's going to be on my um, podcast next month, and because I I just shot him an email and said, "Hey Ollie, would you do me the honor of being a guest on my show?" And he was like, "Yes, I love him." Like, yeah, he's it, very it, open to help people to spread. He was one of my first guests on my Polyglot as well. He's very supportive. And I, I have really to thank him publicly. He's very interesting. Yeah, and Sorry? I, I I just I started jumping up and down. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I mean, because I, I mean, I email you guys all the time with questions. You know, I mean, I might be learning these languages, but I'm still new to a lot of the, the other, um, uh, ways of you know language learning and language acquisition and okay, and, you know, and so uh, the fact that I even started a podcast this year to help you know my my students that I tutor on occasion, um, sure. you know, improve their English. And I said, you know, I want you guys to hear these stories. I want you to hear from these people that I happen to have as friends on Facebook, ask any type of question, regardless of how crazy it may be, and I will get an answer from somebody. Yeah, that's great. A great idea, yeah. Because uh, when they listen to real cases, real difficulties, this can motivate people. They can really listen to real cases. As I said, if they can... I can. Right. And a lot of them do come from monolingual countries. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of my friends are Russian. Um, you know, their, their English is okay. Keyword, okay. Uh -huh. but, but there's a lot of holes in their writing. There's a lot of holes in their listening comprehension. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, if you're learning British English, which is fine, you can do that. But if you're wanting to talk to an American, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, 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 it's yeah. a little bit a little bit different and you know unfortunately um when you are talking to someone in the united states what part of the united states are you speaking to them from because people have different accents yeah people speak differently um you know it's not the same you know but even in england uh they have a standard they receive an accent but uh, if we go to the countryside of england uh, I have heard even um, 
North American speakers, uh, English speakers, they have uh, faced some problems understanding the English countryside because the yeah. accent is really hard, harder than, uh, I don't know, I don't think, but people say that the, the English from Texas is a little bit uh, difficult, but I have no problem with Texas, but people say that. But I guess that uh, sometimes British English can be harder if it's not the received accent from uh, like London. London. Right. Yeah, the Londoner, yeah, it's very clear, really. But uh, when you go to uh, the countryside like Derbyshire and even Manchester or other places in the UK, it's not that easy. Yeah, and I, I, I know for a fact, like, I knew that I was fluent in Russian and Spanish when I had two-hour conversations with people and was able to, like, I might have not remembered certain words, but I was able to substitute those words for other words in order to uh -huh. get across, and they still understood what I was saying. This is a good, it's a, it's a very good tip, what you said. People sometimes, I don't know how to say X, okay, but uh, what if you explain what is that? What if you use a similar word? So this is a good tip that people don't, don't people think that when you are a polyglot, you are a dictionary. I'm not a dictionary, and no. I'm not supposed to be, but I can use, uh, if I just know some verbs, I can substitute them for others, and our students really have to, not should, they have to learn, think that way. You don't know how to say this, say it in other way. Right, and you know, it's funny because the Russians, when I entered the polyglot, Uh, community three mm -hmm. years ago they welcomed me with open arms yeah and, yes they are very uh, open people i, I really like uh, 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 the scandinavian countries people are very awesome um and i i noticed like i started learning how to cook certain things like olivier salad and and borscht and a couple, uh -huh. a, a couple other things and um i use my friends as guinea pigs to eat my food So, yeah. so, so they pretty much liked it. But at the same time, like now my Russian's gotten so good. My friends are like, you need to come over to Russia. I was like, I'm coming when it's nice and warm. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't coming in the wintertime. I'm sorry. It's too yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. But I, I do, I, I do know for a fact, um, that my dream was to actually create a podcast. I said, if I didn't have a website or if I didn't have like a blog, okay, fine. You know, I'm more of an auditory person anyway. I said, if I, if I had a podcast and I was able to share, you know, other people's stories, my own language learning journey, and if it can affect one person or even 20 people, you know, in a positive way, then I've done something. Sure, yes, if just yeah. one person thinks differently, just because he or she has listened to my podcast, I will be realized, I will think that, okay, my polyglot reached the its aim, that is to say that, yes, you can! Basically, is what I really believe, that you don't have to be gifted, but uh, really inspire. If you can inspire just one person, we right. have reached our goals. I mean, because I noticed when I first started in the community, I had 453 friends on Facebook. Today, Good. I have 
1634. <laughs> yes, yes. So that, the community is very open. Yeah, and it's it's. I I remember when you said I was at the poly. I, I did join the polyglots group, but it wasn't for me, so I started my own. And I was like, yeah, and it took off, and you almost got forty thousand people up in here. Yes, it's like a parallel world because uh, we have no. Nations, we have no religions, we have no countries, we are just people sharing the same passion, languages. Right, and I I told Chris, I was like, now I'm actually welcome to the party, as I call it, because beforehand, I would be in different communities, and I didn't Uh feel like I was accepted. You know, because I, me being visually impaired, my readable vision might be very poor, Uh I might not be able to read print anymore. But I still can see the bigger picture, like buildings and people and things. Sure, like sure, sure. So, so, and then the other side of my body, I can't see anything at all. So it's like you're kind of like in between two worlds. You're not all the way sighted, but you're not totally blind either. You know. Yeah, and as you can, you could see that uh, uh, this, uh, I don't, I don't think it's if it's a disability or, uh, I think that you don't have a perfect view, but. You have all the senses that maybe will make you even better learner than those who can uh, read things. It's what you do with your senses that really matters. Not how many senses you have is what you do. A lot of people have, uh, uh, most of people have all their senses but they don't do anything useful with them. Right. And you are proving that, okay, I have a problem uh, in reading and seeing small things, but I am a polyglot. Again, you are saying to the whole world that, yes, I can. And if I can, you can. Yeah. And I, you know, I like, I hear people say, well, this is hard. Or like, I have a friend in, in Rio de Janeiro. Mm-hmm. So, so I'll sit there and be like, hola, como vai? You know, and then be like, and I'll say a little bit in Portuguese, a little, because I actually studied some for like uh-huh. six weeks and then I, I dropped it all together because it was my Italian and my Spanish was bleeding into my Portuguese and I was just like, ah, oh, no. Then try to transform your Spanish into Portuguese. I can give you some tips and tricks on how to transform. There's a book including teaching that. It's from FSA, Foreign Service Institute, that really uh, has a, a topic on how to transform your Spanish into Portuguese or vice versa. But uh, right. I was not the first one to try this kind of adventure. And so right. if you have a good Spanish, you are going to think Portuguese is a piece of cake. Yeah, I mean, because I can understand it very well. Yeah, but, but the problem you... is that to be sure that what is Portuguese? Mesa. What is Spanish? Mesa. Right. Yeah, the, the, the mesa is with a Z in Portuguese and the other yeah. with an S. And like, yeah. like I, can, I can visualize that in my head. Sure. So, so that, I mean, otherwise, you know, it's like, oh, well, this isn't that difficult. You know, it really, and everybody's like, I, I and then I said, well, am I going to Rio anytime soon? Um, no, I'll hold off. And I'll focus on the French because that was something that I really wanted to learn how mm-hmm. to speak. Because I French and Russian were my favorite languages of all time to learn. Okay. And, I love so, Russian so much, but my Russian is poor. Um I actually now can understand War and Peace in Russian. 
this is after 42 months though of okay. listening and I picked like President Putin to listen to because I liked his voice uh-huh. and, and so I, I listen to the news a lot I watch movies in Russian you know I make borscht on I just had some borscht a couple weeks ago I made okay. I, I you know they do Olivier salad on New Year's Eve I okay. do Olivier salad for every American holiday Oh, good. <laughs> yeah, because we are part of the world. We can bring the entire world to, uh, to uh, our own places. And so I try to do the same. In my, in my kitchen, I generally have different cuisines, Indian cuisine, French cuisine, because I really, when I travel, I'd like to bring some books with authentic recipes that I can watch it on, on YouTube as well. And so I like to do that. Um, today, I'm going to have a French weekend. Je parlais non plus que le français. And I try to do this uh, a kind of uh, environment. As I'm not so lucky to live in the middle of Europe, I can try to do it here in the heart of Brazil and make a mini France uh, in the resort, at least for the weekend. We can try yeah. to do that. It's yeah, very interesting. Ever since the iPhone... Ever since Apple came out with voiceover for the iPhone and all these Apple products, uh-huh. now I can actually have voiceover read to me the subtitles in every language. Sure. So as long as it's digital and I can access it and I can access the subtitles, I can like watch whatever movie I want in that particular language as long mm-hmm. as they have the subtitles. Like I watched The Matrix in okay. French with Norwegian subtitles. Oh, good. <laughs> so I was doing like two languages at once, and then I was watching. Like, yes, I'm thinking exactly on how this should work in your mind because both are speaking, and so yeah. you can you you can have a, a multiple. I remember this reminded me there was one activity uh, in the gathering. I don't remember the, the the time the day year exactly, but there was an activity like that. A person was in the middle of two people uh, speaking different uh, a language on each of your ear. And uh, you will have at the end to answer some questions about uh, uh, different stories in the target language. So maybe you do this naturally when you watch a film in... In Russian with Norwegian subtitles because you yeah. are listening to both of them. Right. And it was so interesting was if it didn't have a language chat track, I would put it in whatever subtitle I was thinking about at the moment. Like if I wanted to watch uh, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, I watched it with Norwegian subtitles. Mm-hmm. And so voiceover was loud enough where I didn't have to hear the English. I just heard the Norwegian subtitles. Being okay. Read. And so I, I was able to understand like 70% of the movie. Yeah, okay, sure, yes. It, now, technology is uh, helping you and everybody a lot. I'm not sure how old you are, but I'm 38 years old. Uh, I would say that's... 41. Uh, sorry? I'm 41. Oh, good, okay. Wow, you look like younger. Okay. So- I know, I know. Good genes. <laughs> I have really good genes. <laughs> you know, sure. it's funny. It's funny too because I just found out that I have um, a quarter Irish in my bloodline. And uh, I, have, I have like twenty six percent West African in my bro- my bloodline. Uh, 
I also have some Native American. Of course, I'm African American. But we you, have you are the world in one woman. Right, right. And what's so interesting, I'm the only one in my family that speaks multiple languages. <laughs> yeah. So am Every- I. <laughs> yeah. They're like. My we come from monolingual see. countries. Even my yeah. mom, she was married with, with, with my father. That, that was uh, uh, not Spanish, but his um, my mother's uh, parents-in-law were from Catalonia. But she doesn't, my mom doesn't speak Spanish, just Portuguese. Uh, and so uh, it's because we don't need, we live in huge monolingual countries. And so right. people really think, why are you learning such a language? And you speak English as a native language. Say, everybody speaks English. Yeah. It, it, after a while, but it's, it's like, this is a me. lie. It's not truth. I have been to Warsaw, and if I didn't speak uh, Polish, I would really suffer a lot because people are really afraid of foreign languages. Speak. Do you speak English? They really jump back and say. Uh, um, yet, yet, yet. Uh, I forgot how to say no in, in, in Polish, but I guess it's that. Say no, 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 no. And you really have to try a conversation in Polish. The same happened when I was in Thessalonic. Uh, people don't speak English. And so this myth that everybody speaks English, yeah, it's, it's a myth. Right. Uh, okay, you can, if you go to the basic and large tourist places, yeah, people speak some English, but no. Well, that's just like in Russia, they like assume that they're supposed to know English. Okay, if you go to like Novosibirsk or you go to Sofia, <laughs> yeah, or you go to Saint Petersburg, but if you're going in the country or the Caucasus, they don't speak English. They don't they speak Russian? Sure. Yeah. So it's a myth. That's a, why are you learning other language? If you speak English, the world speak English. No. no Maybe the right. touristic world speak English, but not the world. And so even Thessalonic, it's a it's a huge area in Greeks. And so I found just one or other that spoke uh, English, they really speak Greek and full stop. And I had a problem because I had studied ancient Greek and right. I just <laughs> and I had just studied a little bit before of modern Greek. And imagine a person arriving in the modern Thessalonique speaking the same Greek as Jesus used to speak. And so it was very funny because they really didn't speak English. And so right. I I had to use my modern Greek that was not good at that time and my ancient Greek. So when people say that, why are you learning that? Because the world speaks English. I say, come on, travel it's a bit more or get informed because the world doesn't speak English. Fortunately. Okay. Right. <laughs> now, but you know, it's so funny though, because the first thing you hear is, well, you don't have to worry about anything. You live in the U.S. You have all these resources. <laughs> I'm like, no, I don't have all these resources. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay. Like, yeah. And it's so funny because, like, I told someone, I said, I would love to go to a polyglot event, but it's expensive. It yeah. It's not cheap. Yes. Nowadays, for me, it's even uh, more expensive because my currency is not strong. And so right. everything is in dollar. Real and dollar are not very friends. 
right. so even, it's even more expensive but it does it's it, it worths every single penny that i invest yeah and but, I, I told someone i wanted to go to Paul, to langfest next year yeah it's, it's fantastic the, the team is absolutely fantastic i really recommend them it's absolutely amazing it's a great team and it would be good if you give if you deliver a talk there telling your experience go there and uh, you are be more than welcome to deliver a speech and i think that you are going to uh, uh put fire on the enthusiasm of people that as i said if she can you can this is the idea i think you are going to love attending to langfast and they will love to have you there because i'm going to be interviewing Su young next week uh-huh and and then i have after him i have um the guy who does Russian progress. I'm going to be interviewing him. And then I have Ollie on the 15th. And then I have Vladimir Skoltetti. Okay. Um, and I'm going to interview Steve Kaufman when I get oh, back. Oh, Steve Kaufman is a lovely person. Oh, he's, he's another ambassador. He's really, he's a, I, he's I a fantastic like he person. He's so positive. Yes, but, yes. And, he's, and he will be the first to sit there and say, you know, even if you even if you speak at an A one level, you're at least speaking. You know, it doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah, he's fantastic. Yeah. When I had met him the first time in Montreal, it was uh, it was really very interesting. He was a, a fantastic person. I cannot complain about every anyone in the in the language community. Everybody is really very interesting, very open minded, and so uh, I think it's. Uh, I'm very happy and proud to be part of this language community and to meet some people in person or virtually uh, and sometimes uh, uh, everything started uh, i remember that i talked to richard simcott a long long time ago when we just had language forums uh, on internet and when we first time when we met each other in person it was like wow you really exist <laughs> <laughs> it was really interesting that well, you know, and that's how I feel. Like, I guess, like I'm still like pinching myself that I'm getting all these people in the language community to come on my show, and I've only yeah, yeah. Like, I'm like, you know, really grateful for that because I feel, you know, personally that this is my way to express how I feel about language learning and sure. and get to share other people's stories about language learning because I mean, honestly, like. Some of these languages, you know, I wouldn't have learned if I wouldn't have met this person or I wouldn't have came in contact with that person. I mean, and people are very, very helpful. Yeah, exactly. Yes, they are very open minded. They are open to help. I'd say 99%. Uh, there are some that really think that they are stars, but uh, who think that they are the stars? They aren't. And so those who really are stars, are really very open-minded, very open to everyone. And so it's a, it's a fantastic community. I'm very happy. Uh, there are two years that I don't attend to uh, Berlin's conference because now it's in Bratislava. But for me, it was not just a meeting. It was a meeting. It was a gathering from friends because generally it's, it's what happens, really. It's not just... Uh, uh, we really continued the conversation from last year. Right. It was, it was, it's a fantastic experience. 
I'm really happy that we have this three events officially now. We have uh, I tried to keep an online event in January, but we have three official and large events. It's very interesting. Now I guess you know in October uh, Richard will have will hold his uh, event as well. And uh, yeah. yes, the last one will be uh, the language conference. Will you be going to that? No, of course no, not because uh, this year I have opened up. Uh, another uh, language school and so this requires my whole attention and so unfortunately but next year i have to attend at least two because i'm really missing my friends yeah and it, it's kind of funny because i i told someone i said you know that is my goal I'm, I'm gonna save up and buy my passport i know it's 200 bucks but i'll do it and then i said if i have to find roommates whatever i have to do <laughs> i'm going to Langfest. <laughs> Yeah, it starts with Langfest. Yes. Uh, 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 we had a Polyglot conference in New York City. Uh, yeah. It was fantastic as well. Uh, yes, the only one that happens, fortunately, you have Langfest. That's absolutely amazing. I really recommend everyone. Uh, and it's not, I guess, it's not that, that far from you to go there. Mm. People are oh, no. fantastic. Yeah, because we're on the same time zone, Eastern Standard Time. So I think it's about maybe eight, 10 hours. <laughs> 